0: This week on the School Counselor Podcast, we are presenting the audio from the Financial Aid and Managing College Costs evening that Naomi Williams, uh, Chittenden House Counselor, hosted with Carrie Harlow from VSAC. So tonight, this presentation or today, this presentation, is, the audio will be about discussing free or um, free financial aid and managing college co- the college costs presentation. At And during this presentation, Carrie from VSAC will provide an overview for how families pay for college costs and the different types of financial aid, as well as the application process timelines um, specifically for the 24-25 financial aid award year. Carrie will share some resources that can help research the true cost of college uh, and help families get ready to file The financial aid forms. Tonight or the night's presentation was Wednesday the 18th and there is a YouTube link which I will post in the show notes for the podcast that where you can go and uh, watch the YouTube presentation which includes uh, an hour-long series of PowerPoint presentations or PowerPoint slides that carry goes into in depth. Hope you enjoy this, I'm going to call it a rebroadcast, hope that it has some good information for you, and we'll be back with you next week. Thanks. Hey, good evening,
1: everyone. My name is Carrie Harlow, and I work with VSAC's Career and Education Outreach Program. I'm happy to see you all tonight, and uh, we're ready to talk about financial aid and managing college costs. Now, a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about tonight really involve things happening this year. So I'll be referring to seniors and parents of seniors quite a bit, but if there are juniors on the feed uh, and parents of juniors here, just know when I'm talking about things, I'm really referring to this year's seniors, but we can also give you some information as the parent of a junior. So let's get started. VSAC uh, is a nonprofit organization. We've been around since 1965. We're here to ensure that Vermont students and families have the information, assistance, and financial aid that they need to achieve goals for college and beyond. Um, We help people not only with uh, funding education that you think of like college or university, but also trade programs and short-term training. We have a number of programs to help people to fund those as well. As the parent of a recent college graduate, I just wanna acknowledge everyone's concerns. It can be overwhelming when you think about the idea of how you pay for college and how do, you go, how do you even go about finding the resources. This presentation is really intended to provide a general overview, so I will not be covering everything there is to cover, but it maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the roles that you as families play as well as options you may have, and maybe a couple of things that you haven't thought of before. Obviously we can't cover everything, but we have a bunch of resources on our website. And there are also videos that Federal Student Aid has available also on YouTube, where families can use uh, that information for assistance with filling out the FAFSA, as well as with the financial aid process. When we're getting started, uh, I really talk about how communication is the key to success when we are talking about planning for post-secondary education. You know, about plans, like students and parents' involvement in the college search and selection, and also using their resources, like their counselors and teachers or advisors, coming up with good college matches that might meet expectations like distance, majors, housing, placement rates, Really, research involves also finding out the true costs, and we're gonna talk tonight about net price, as well as other things like acceptance of AP or dual enrollment credit. And while it's great when everyone is on the same page from the start, it it may be likely that some family and students, some parents and students could have some different unspoken expectations about this process, like whose responsibility it is to find schools to apply to, who's gonna be completing steps in this process, Who's gonna be leading the financial aid process? And whose primary responsibility is it to come up with the funds to help pay? One of the discussions you can have is who's going to have what roles in this process and to what extent can you help each other? And how much can you afford? I mean, does someone have veto power in this? Talking through all of these thoughts and expectations in advance can really help families to focus on good college matches. Doing the research helps families make informed decisions that are not only well thought out, but hopefully also financially
2: sound. Let's talk a little bit about college
1: price. Um, you, You hear when you buy a car about the sticker price. So what we're showing you right now is the sticker price of five different types of colleges. We're talking a private expensive college, We're using University of Vermont, Vermont State University, CCV, as well as a Vermont Trade School on here. We have two Vermont Trade Schools that uh, also accept federal student aid. One is the Aveda Institute, which is a cosmetology school in Williston. And the other is Advanced Welding Institute, which uh, obviously people can study welding and they're in South Burlington. So we wanted to give you like the vast range of this. And then also the all years because when we're talking about the most expensive college UVM and Vermont State U, we're talking about a four-year degree. And this is assuming that there's no increase in cost over years. Um, Community College of Vermont, if you're doing a traditional two-year program, we included that as well as the Vermont Trade School, which is only six months long. So um, you can see the timelines are different. The costs are really different. The idea is really just to help you be aware of the college's advertised price. If you've gone to a college fair, you may have heard a college say, oh, it costs this to attend here. And to acknowledge you know, what you're probably hearing about the cost of college, it's not totally exaggerated. Every college and trade or career school has a price and you can see how it can add up. I, I just wanna mention the cases above, the most expensive college, University of Vermont and Vermont State U, includes living on campus. So those costs include things like uh, housing and also meal plans, and also uh, all of them include non-billable costs like books, supplies, transportation, and some personal expenses. Uh, For CCV and the Vermont Trade School, this is the cost that's publicized for a student living at home with their parents. So it's not just tuition and fees, but it also includes the cost of commuting, books and supplies, as well as some personal expenses, probably lunches, but no room in housing costs. Um, To give you an example, just real quickly, tuition and fees and books at CCB would probably be closer to $9,800 for an in-state student commuting from home. And for the trade school, tuition fees and books um, is really closer to $28,250 for a student commuting from home.
2: But really, we don't wanna know the sticker
1: price. We wanna know what it's gonna cost us. So the cost of attendance minus the free money that a student would receive, which are grants and scholarships, equals what families need to pay. And it's really important to keep in mind this net price as opposed to the sticker price. And so what I'd like to do is show you those costs again, but show you the net, the average net price for these schools. Again, It's the cost of the school minus the free money. And this is the average. So the most expensive college, you can see that cost comes down quite a bit. Um, These are all averages for first year full-time students. And remember um, the net price figures do not include things like student or parent loans or work study. This is just the cost of the school minus the free money. And while these are average net prices, Um, I want to mention that dependent students who are Pell-eligible can attend the University of Vermont tuition and fee-free through the Patamount Commitment Program. If you're uh, a student whose parents make less than $60,000 a year, you can also go tuition and fee-free to the University of Vermont. And for Community College of Vermont, for families making less than $75,000 a year, CCB is tuition-free through the 802 Opportunity Program. And, and so some families will find that their net price is even lower what we're, than what we're looking at here, while some might find that their net price is higher than the average amount published. But one of the things you can do is some research on colleges and programs, like do they have scholarships available for stu- students with a certain GPA? And finding, about, finding out about UVM Promise and the 802 opportunity can help students and families understand about how college costs will... Sugar out for them, basically. Um, In addition, there are some non federal aid eligible programs in Vermont. Um, So they're not eligible for federal student aid, but we do have something at BSAC called the Vermont Advancement Grant. And so those grants are based on a student's financial need. They don't follow the same process we're going to talk about tonight. But I just want you to know that if students are looking for short term training, and those programs are not eligible for federal aid, we have money here in Vermont to help students pay for those programs. Let me tell you about a great resource you can use. It's called the College Scorecard. This is one of my favorites. It is a website that's managed by the U.S. Department of Education. It's a government website, and it's a place to find colleges either by searching a specific name, or you can use a search where you're looking for distance or location or degrees offered or majors. Um, But what I can tell you is that there's in-depth information about each college, their admissions, graduation rates, placement, and median salaries of recent graduates, as well as average net cost. And then they break it down further by income bands. So you can look at that. There are also links to college-specific net price calculators from this site, where you can find more very specific information based on a student and family's individual circumstances. Um, What I should tell you with the college scorecard is for state supported institutions, they are listing costs for in-state students. So while University of Vermont, CCB, and Vermont State University will come through as pretty accurate, what you may find is if you're looking at, you know, University of um, California, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, that's going to be listing information for California residents. Um, Another thing you can find here on the college scorecard, and this is really important, is you can find median salary information by major after graduation, as well as median federal debt by major. Um, What I would like to recommend to you is that one helpful guideline that's recommended by financial folks is uh, that students not borrow cumulatively more than they can reasonably expect to make the first year out of college. So I'm gonna say that again. Students should not borrow cumulatively more than they can reasonably expect to make the first year out of college. And the college scorecard is gonna give you some of that information.
2: Naomi, do we have any questions coming up in the chat at this
1: point? All good, Carrie. Okay, thank you. Thanks. So let's move on and talk a little bit about the family's role, right? Um, When we talk about this, we say the family has the primary responsibility to pay for higher education. So need based financial aid is meant to assist families with paying for college, but they're still looking at the resources available to that family by looking at information about parents and students. Now I'm talking about need based financial aid here, whereas um, there's this other thing called merit based financial aid, which might be based on a student's grades or talents that a student has or the fact that they've done a whole bunch of community service. So. We want to think about families' role in this. And when applying for need-based aid, they are using that information to determine how much money the student needs in order to attend that college. And what this does not mean is if a college you know, costs $80,000 a year, you do not have to pull out your checkbook and write a check for $80,000. It just means that they're going to be looking at your financial need
2: before they figure out how much you need to pay.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the types of financial aid. This is really more of a refresher. I know a lot of people know this, but some people don't. So I always wanna go back to the basics. First is grants. Grants is free money, and it's usually based on a student's financial need, but everybody loves grants because you don't have to pay them back and you don't have to work for them. If you apply and you're eligible and there's money available, you get it. Scholarships are also free money, but they're usually based on something grades, student talent, ability, maybe an audition or portfolio, scholarships might be awarded by a college even as part of the admissions process. Congratulations, you've been accepted and we'd like to offer you a $10,000 scholarship. Woo, we love that stuff. Um, It is also, um, scholarships are also something that are free. You don't need to pay them back. And uh, there is a little bit of work to get scholarships, but you do not have to work a job in order to earn the scholarship. I wanna mention that VSAC has a number of scholarships. There are sometimes scholarships you can apply for through your local community. And also at CVU uh, for seniors, you wanna be talking with um, your counselor in the Direction Center and uh, find out what sorts of things are available to you. You may be able to find things on Naviance or in the spring, there may be some applications available, but just keep that line of communication open with your school counselor because they're gonna be the ones who have that information. In addition, there's work study. Work study, a student gets a job on campus and they work the hours and they get the money. It doesn't sound like financial aid, but actually the federal government pays colleges up to half of what students earn in order to help fund these jobs. So that's why it's considered financial aid. A student works in exchange for the money. So they have to find the job, they have to work the hours and then they get the pay. Most colleges do not consider work study as money that's coming toward a student's bill. They're considering it money that's going toward a student's personal expenses, like doing laundry or getting coffee or having a pizza or something like that, going to the movies. The the work study is usually used toward those personal expenses and not to pay down the bill. And then finally, there's loans. And everybody understands, I hope, what a loan is, where you borrow the money with the agreement that you're going to pay it back. And so there are uh, education loans available for students and for parents, and we're going to talk more about those. But of course, they involve interest rates, repayment terms, and, and things that you will learn that will be
2: different for every loan.
1: Now, in order to get this financial aid, there are financial applications that students have to submit. And students have to submit applications every year that they want funding for college. So if a student's attending school for a two-year degree, they're going to apply two years running. For students going to a four-year institution, it's going to be four years running. But the first application and the main one is the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. A lot of families will say to me during these workshops, should I really file the FAFSA? We don't think we're gonna get anything. And I totally understand that. But what I will tell you about the FAFSA is, um, this is my elevator pitch, if you will. There are three reasons why you should file a FAFSA, even if you think you might not be eligible for aid. One is that some institutions will look at the FAFSA information to determine their merit financial aid, so their scholarships. And they won't uh, award those without knowing that a student has, you know, exhausted all their other options for aid. So did they apply for federal financial aid? They did. Um, in addition, if a student even wants a federal student loan, they have to file the FAFSA in order to get that. And then the third reason why people should file a FAFSA is things change. And unfortunately, my son attended college during COVID. And so What happened was a lot of families, a lot of students had situations where their families were losing their jobs, businesses closed, things happened. And having a FAFSA on file meant that students and parents could have conversations with financial aid offices. And with that FAFSA on file, they could very quickly make some moves to help the students. And so I mentioned that because we, you know, hopefully we will never see another global pandemic, I'm looking to knock on something wood here, but what I will say to you is um, it's an insurance policy, if you will. So those are the three reasons why I'd say go ahead and apply, file that FAFSA. Another application is the Vermont Grant application. So VSAC administers the Vermont Grant. The state gives between 19 and 20 million dollars each year to VSAC. VSAC awards every dollar of that money to students to study. Uh, Post secondary education. And what I can tell you is that um, students can also take their state grant out of state. So if a student has eligibility for a Vermont grant, they can use that outside of Vermont. And I think that um, sometimes people don't realize that. And so that's one of the reasons they don't apply for a Vermont grant. There are also college financial aid forms. One that you may know of already is the CSS profile. The CSS profile is used by some pretty expensive schools with rather large endowments they have a lot of money at stake and they're expensive schools. And so they wanna make sure that their financial aid is going to students who truly need it. And you will find the CSS Profile asks a lot more questions than the FAFSA does. So the CSS Profile may be an application that students have to fill out. There is a list on the CSS Profile website of all the colleges that use that financial aid form. Additionally, students will be filling out scholarship applications. And a lot of times scholarship applications usually happen during the senior year. And, um, you know, for instance, VSAC has a scholarship application and our scholarship booklet. The booklets have been mailed to schools. So if CVU put in an order, there are some nice teal colored booklets that have uh, VSAC scholarships listed in them. We also have that information available on our website as a PDF. We administer about 60 or so scholarships each year, and we use one unified scholarship application, which is uh, due February 14th, 2024 for those seniors. And what I would say to you is um, you also have to get in an essay and some recommendations and a transcript. So please do not wait and file that application on February 14th. You need to file that application earlier to make sure you get all your stuff in. And then finally, there's loan applications. Um, And we will definitely talk about loans during this presentation, but I want you to know about the loan applications is this happens much later in the process. So seniors in high school, you will apply for admission. You will apply for financial aid. You do not hear about financial aid until after you've been admitted to a college. And then when you hear about financial aid, uh, you will eventually decide where you're attending school and once you decide where you're attending and you know truly how much money you need to come up with, then you are applying for loans. So loans generally do not happen until later in the senior year. And probably we're talking about uh, you know, late May or June as a timeline for those loan
2: applications. I have to tell
1: you that this year, Um, So it's the academic year of 2024, 2025, the students who are seniors right now applying for that. There are some big changes coming to the FAFSA. And what I want you to know about that is we have been talking about these changes for years Um, and it's finally happening. And um, geeks like me are really, really excited about it. Families are like, you know, it's a form, we're gonna fill it out. But I'm excited because it has to do with FAFSA simplification. And if you file the online application, which by the way, 99.7 something percent of people who file the FAFSA file it online, there are fewer questions online. They now have a direct transfer of information that will happen right from the IRS right into the FAFSA. Um, If you filed a FAFSA a year ago, you had to go to, you had to leave the FAFSA to go to the IRS website. You had to go to the IRS website, put in your information. Precisely because if anything is spelled wrong, if anything is not right, it would not come over. But if you could get it to come over, then you had to bring it back into the FAFSA. Now it's gonna happen directly. You're just gonna click a box that says, I consent. And that information will come right over. We're saying goodbye to this thing called the EFC or expected family contribution. So if you've heard that term before, go ahead and forget it because it's now the student aid index or the SAI. And it's a totally new calculation for determining student financial need. What we know from federal student aid is they are telling us this will make more students eligible for more financial aid. It will be a roles-based form, which means you will enter either as the parent or you will enter as the student. And people who contribute information to the FAFSA are called contributors. And so if you're having trouble deciding, they're actually gonna, they've developed a parent wizard that will be on the FAFSA to help you figure out whose information needs to go on the form. There's more information to come Um, and stay connected with us for more information because um, things are changing still, even as we speak. Um, They just opened up the FAFSA to more comments, if you can possibly believe it. And so um, there were things that people were uh, sending in to federal student aid to make recommendations to still make the form better but let's talk about how and when to apply. So there's that filing that FAFSA is really important. It is required to get a federal student loan. It's required for any federal aid program. Normally it comes out in October, but this year it's available in December. We don't have a date yet. They're saying it's gonna be available in December, but they have had to because of this automatic transfer with the IRS that's written into the law. Um, it is taking longer. They're having to do a lot of programming and there's a lot of uh, information security going on. So it will be available in December, but we don't have an actual day yet. Current seniors in high school are filling out the 2024-2025 version. So the year that the student will attend college. And I tell you that because right now the 2023-2024 version is up and will be up when the new FAFSA comes because there are still people applying for financial aid in this coming January. So that is still up. You wanna make sure that the student is filling out the right one. And then check college deadlines to make sure that you're meeting those. And one of the other changes to the FAFSA is now you can put up to 20 colleges to get your FAFSA information um, on that electronic form. It used to be only 10. I would hope that if you have more than 20 colleges, you're going to rethink that whole finance, the whole like application process, because 20 applications is an awful lot. Right, Naomi?
2: Yes, that's way too many.
1: <laughs> a lot you. to I, manage. I always ask counselors to just verify this, because I don't want to just impose my opinion on you. It, it's a widely held opinion that, that more than 20 is too many. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... Um, Any questions about the FAFSA? Let me just say one of the questions that we sometimes get is whose information goes on the FAFSA. And so they are calling people who contribute information to the FAFSA this year contributors. I wanna be really clear because it doesn't mean you're contributing money. It means you are contributing information and that's why they're calling it contributors. And so who contributes information to a student's FAFSA? Most high school students need to have parental information on the form. And so which parents are on the form? If the biological or adoptive parents live together, it is both parents' information regardless of their marital status. If the biological or adoptive parents um, do not live together, it is the parent that the student was supported by more in the previous year. Now that might be, you know, if a student lived with one parent more, there's something to be said for, they put a roof over the student's head, right? But in shared custody arrangements, it's really gonna be who provided more financial support. And really that is, that is the question, who provided more financial support. And you can think about things like who has a student on their health insurance and who's, um, you know, maybe supplying a car or something like that. But you wanna think about that and who that person is who's gonna contribute their information. If that parent who is no longer living with um, the other biological or adoptive parent has remarried, it is the parent and step-parent whose information is on the FAFSA.
3: right, Carrie, we do have a couple questions. Sure. Uh, We have a question about the later FAFSA date and how that impacts early action.
1: Okay, so so that's
3: a great question. Like, how
1: does the FAFSA impact early programs, early admission programs, right? Um, there's early action and early decision. The late FAFSA does not necessarily impact early action because with early action, there's no commitment. With early decision, there's a commitment. And the only way out of that is if the financial aid doesn't work. So it's really important if you are doing early decision to find out, is there an additional form you need to fill out and when? Because you might have to fill out that CSS profile by November 1st or November 10th or November 15th. And if that's the case, in order to find out about financial aid and you're applying early decision, you really need to do that. There are some colleges who do not use the CSS profile and they have early decision. You want to have a conversation with those colleges, if you are truly, if you have a student who's truly early decision for them, um, you, you need to have a conversation about how, how does this work because we will not have our FAFSA filed. And if you don't have our financial information, how do we make this decision? I will tell you that right now, some colleges are saying, um, you know, if we only use the FAFSA and the FAFSA is not out and your early decision, we recommend that you only apply early decision if finances are not a concern. And that's really important to keep in mind. You know, um, if a college offers early decision and early action, I might lean toward early action just because you don't have that commitment and you have the time to get that FAFSA filed and processed.
3: Great, thank you. And then we- you want to
1: add also... anything to that, Naomi?
3: No, I, th- I, I think that's great, um, thank you. Um, so we, we do have a question about uh, students who are taking a gap year and applying for financial aid.
1: Sure, so if a student's taking a gap year, they may want to apply for, if they're applying for college and for instance, they're gonna defer at that college for a year, they may want to go through the financial aid process to kind of get a feel for what this college is gonna cost. And then when they're making the decision about deferring, what they may want to do is they may want to ask that institution, if everything stays about the same, what will my financial aid look like? Will it be different or will it be similar? So that's gonna be an important question to ask, um, especially for students who are thinking about deferring. But if students do take a gap year, everybody files a new FAFSA the next year. And remember that, FAFSA Mm -hmm. will open for the 2025 2026 school year. That will open October 1st of 2024. We'll be back to the October 1st open date for that. Great. That's where we are right now. Thank you. Okay, great. So let's talk a little bit about determining financial need. There is this new thing called the Student Aid Index, and how is it determined? Well, Let me just say the EFC, the expected family contribution, was a misnomer, right? People thought the expected family contribution was what the family had to come up with. And many times, families had to come up with more than the expected family contribution. And we would hear a lot of comments about, why do you even call it this? Because it's not what we had to come up with. So the SAI is really the starting point from which financial aid will be determined by federal student aid, and also by uh, colleges, and also sometimes by scholarship programs. And what it's looking at, is it's looking at the parents and the students income. So for this year, when students are filing the 2024, 2025 FAFSA, they're looking at parents and students 2022 income. They are also looking at, and, and so think about those that 2022 taxes that you filed last spring, or if you have a deadline that you're probably or if you had an extension, excuse me, that you may be filing now. Um, You wanna think about that, like what is that income? And then next would be how many people live on income? The SAI is then compared against federal poverty level. So they're using those 2022 uh, poverty level information and they're using percentages based on whether it's a single parent household or a double parent household. And they're using that to um, compare And if an income is under that percentage of poverty level, um, that student will get a maximum Pell Grant. They're not even going to look at other things. They're just going to say, here's the income. Great, your maximum Pell Grant. There you go. They're also looking um, at parent assets. So if a student's not eligible for the maximum Pell Grant, we're determining this SAI. They're going to look at the parents' and the students' assets. We're not looking at cars, we're not looking at boats, we're not looking at Um, Even the family home, the FAFSA asks about assets like cash savings and checking accounts, real estate, other than the family's primary home, as well as um, business or farm equity. So the the value of that business or farm minus the debt against it. And also they look at the age of the older parent for dependent students, Um, This is one of the few times in your life, folks, that you wanna be actually older than you are uh, because the older you are, the closer you are to retirement and the more assets are protected as part of this calculation.
2: Any questions about the SAI coming up? All right, so
1: um, you heard me say there's no FAFSA until December, right? So what do we do in the meantime, folks? Well, what you can do is you can do this thing called create an FSA ID. It's basically creating a FAFSA account and the student and at least one parent, a parent contributor on the FAFSA needs to have that FSA ID and you want to check deadlines. So for instance, is the CSS profile required for early decision? If it is, what is your deadline for that? Because you want to make certain to meet it. Or does the college have any other college financial aid forms that you may need to fill out if you are an early decision applicant? FAFSA is not opening until December, but you can apply for a Vermont grant right now. And the Vermont grant application is a piece of cake. The only question on the Vermont grant application that students might have trouble with is that um, they ask about the parents, if the parents uh, own their home, they don't rent, Um, They asked about the value of that house and the debt against it. Um, And and so that's the hardest question on the Vermont grant application. And students should also research and apply for VSAC assisted scholarships. Since you have this time, right? And if we're going to do a FAFSA forms night at CVU in January and the deadline for VSAC scholarships is February 14th of 2024. um, We need to think about those deadlines and you can get those VSAC scholarship uh, applications started now if you want to.
2: So let's talk about this thing called an FSA
1: ID. Every student applying for federal aid has to create an FSA ID account. And at least one parent of any dependent student must must also create their own. If you are a parent who has an older child who has gone to college, your FSA ID is your FSA ID. You can use it on other children's applications. So you don't need a new one. You just reuse the one you have. It does take some time to set up. You know, There's more security, so they have more questions. They also have you set up two-factor verification. So every time you log into a FAFSA to contribute information, they will ask you to verify that you are who you are. And so I'm going to hold up my phone, and I'm going to say that you will be getting an email or a text message with a code that verifies that you are who you are. Students who are setting up an FSA ID need to use a non-school email address because at CBU, they turn off your CBU email after you graduate. Is that true, Naomi? You can just nod. Yes, okay, it is still true. Um, My son went to CBU, and so I remember, I think it was July after he graduated from high school, his CBU account went away. He didn't believe me. Um, hmm, He found out. So I'm telling you now, create that non-school free email address that is career and college ready, and um, and have it ready for your FSA ID. And you have to have the FSA ID applied for and verified in advance of filing a FAFSA. And that usually takes anywhere from five to seven business days. I tell you that so that you know that it takes some time and you need to allow yourself some time to fill out, um, to apply for that FSA ID.
2: Any questions about the FSAID, Naomi?
3: Uh, so, no questions about the FSAID, but it looks like we have a question um, looking for a, a little bit more clarification on if a child lives primarily with a parent and step parent, um, does the other parent's income factor in at all? Um,
1: so, so that's a great question. Does the other parent's income factor in if there's a parent and step parent on the FAFSA? For the FAFSA, for the Vermont grant, we are all done um, when, when, with the information that's on the FAFSA. But for those CSS profile schools, they will probably be asking for information from that other parent in addition. So they will ask for that parent's contact information. Great. Thank you. That's where we are right now. Great. So let's talk a little bit about maximizing financial aid, right? How do you get the most financial aid possible? Well, one, do well in school, right? And challenge yourself. Uh, Increase your school and community involvement. There are a ton of scholarships in the VSAC Scholarships book that have a community service component to them. If you have not done community service, you may need to get on that. Um, if you're a junior who's watching this, or the parent of a junior, make sure that they have the opportunity to do that, maybe the summer between the junior and senior year. You wanna communicate special circumstances to financial aid offices and to VSAC. And what I mean by that is, we're using 2022 income information. And the other night I was doing a presentation and a parent asked me, they said, well, what if I made a lot of overtime pay in 2022 and I haven't seen any of that in 2023? That was a great question. And the way that the parent would communicate this would be to write a letter to each college's financial aid office that their child applied to, as well as to the Vermont grant program at VSAC and say what that change was. And financial aid people love uh, actual numbers. So if you can say this impacts our income by $7,500 or this impacts our income by $2,500, let them know those figures because that will be really helpful in determining um, what they might need to do to follow up and then research but not only research apply for those scholarships everybody's intentions are really good in applying for scholarships but sometimes people don't pull the trigger and they talk themselves out of it by saying things like well i'm not the best student so if i'm not the best student why should i apply well you don't know who else is applying. So you might be the best student who's applying. Um, So actually go through with it, meet those deadlines, do the things that you need to do. Let's talk a little bit um, about how to apply for a Vermont grant. Um, The Vermont grant is open to all Vermont residents. The the Vermont grant application is open. I sat the other night with a family, we were talking about financial aid and the student literally filed the application. It took about 10 minutes, including setting up their MyVSAC account. So it takes very little time at all. Um, Again, you wanna use the 2024, 2025 version for those seniors in the room. It's the year you attend college that we're looking for. It is required for Vermont grant aid. So there are colleges like Norwich University, Champlain College, University of Vermont. They will estimate a Vermont grant on your financial aid award, but you cannot get that Vermont grant unless you actually apply for it. So it is required that you file the Vermont grant application even if a college has estimated it for you. We encourage students to apply early, to check their status online, and if there's anything needed, there will be something put on the to-do list online and we will email the student and say, hey, you need to do something for your Vermont grant, please come and log in and check it out. You can fill out forms online, you can upload documents which helps save like all that back and forth through the mail. And also I mentioned students must create a MyVSAc account before they file that Vermont grant application. That same MyVSAC account is used to apply for VSAC scholarships, so you actually have a dashboard when you log in. It says work with grants, it says work with scholarships, and so you can apply from that one site.
2: I also mentioned that the Vermont grant is portable. You can use the Vermont grant at in-state and out-of-state colleges. Um, I want to talk about
1: some other ways to reduce costs when we're when we're talking about this. Um, one of the things is to look further, right? Um, you know, in-state, other states, even Canada, when the exchange rate is good, um, Canadian schools can be very reasonable in cost. The only federal aid that goes across the border is federal student loans, but the Vermont grant can be used at Canadian schools. And our, our thinking is, Uh, Canada's our neighbor. Canada is closer to us than Florida is. So why would we say to students, well, you can use your Vermont grant in Florida, but you can't use it a drive away. So, um, you know, it's it's worth it to check that out. When we say look further like other states, one of the things to keep in mind is that there are some institutions that are looking for Vermonter, right? They want to be able to say that they have students from all the states in the U.S. And if it's a school that doesn't have very many Vermont students, that might be something that they're trying to recruit. Uh, What I will say is state supported institutions probably are an exception to that rule because state supported institutions, their goal, their purpose, their mission is in-state students. So they're probably, state supported schools out of state are probably not spending a lot of money on out of state students. Wanna think about dual enrollment, early college or advanced placement. When you're talking to colleges, find out how they treat advanced placement or dual enrollment credit, and how can you use that to potentially shorten the life of your degree. And and what that means is that, uh, you know, we were talking about that $80,000 a year school at the beginning, and I think it was $27,000 was the net price. You reduce that by a semester, you're saving yourself $13,000 plus in college costs. So um, you can really end up reducing college costs if you're able to graduate early because you've taken advantage of all of these opportunities. NEBBY is short for the New England Board for Higher Education. And NEBBY has a regional student program. So if you live in Vermont and we don't offer a major in Vermont, guess what, we don't have marine biology here because we don't have an ocean. Uh, We also don't have any culinary programs at our state schools in Vermont. We don't have interior design at any of our state institutions. You can go to a New England state and a state supported institution that has that major. And instead of paying full out of state tuition, you actually pay a reduced rate. Um, You can look up the regional student guide on uh, the internet and you can search for that. NEBBY is the name of the program with the Regional Student Program. NEBBY is the organization that sponsors it. Um, I would highly recommend checking that out because you may find that if you want a major that isn't offered here, you may find that you can save money. There are also some NEBBY schools, uh, New England Board of Higher Education Schools, that have started to say, if you're a Vermont resident, we don't care what you major in. We'd love to have you here. Um, and you can save money with NEVI. Some students can start at a school that costs less and then transfer. Um, We see a lot of students start out at Community College of Vermont, which costs a lot less, and then they transfer to that four-year institution. Uh, They have that degree that says the nice name on it. Um, No one asks where you started off. They only ask where you got your degree from. You can consider attending locally and commuting here at CVU, we are not very far from a number of different colleges that you might be able to uh, commute to. Housing costs can run anywhere from 13 to $16,000 a year. So it's the um, room and also the uh, dining hall plan that you have that would cost that much. If you're living at home and commuting, you can save that money. And then also consider service. There are programs such as AmeriCorps AmeriCorps is a great program where you, uh, it's also a great gap year program if you think about it, where you can work a job through AmeriCorps and in addition to your uh, stipend and your payment, you also earn scholarship money or you can pay down your student loans with your AmeriCorps um, award, which is really great. Additionally, the Vermont Air and Army National Guard programs here in Vermont have a program where you can go for free tuition at Vermont State University, Community College of Vermont, or UVM. And uh, they will give you one year of free tuition for two years of service. And you can do that concurrently. You can be in college and you can be doing your, uh, you know, one weekend a month and two weeks a year. You can do that while you're in school. And that is another way to help pay. So, not all of these suggestions are for everybody. But they are ways that you can think about to reduce your costs when you're, you know, really thinking about how expensive college can be. So let's talk about ways to pay. If you were to think of this like a three-legged stool, right? Um, you can rely on things like uh, past income, present income, and future income. Like using the broadest of brushstrokes on this. So past income would be savings, or if you have a college savings plan, present income are things like payment plans where you pay over the 10 months of the school year, and you do regular monthly payments, and you pay that off that way. Some people will use income tax credits. Uh, There's a federal tax credit for education. And um, I had a student or had a parent, excuse me, last night at a presentation asked me, well, how does this work? And I will tell you, I'm not a tax preparer, nor do I play one on TV. Um, but publication 970 actually talks specifically about uh, tax credits for education. And then, additionally, scholarships are considered present income. And sometimes families will say to their students, you know, your contribution to college can be partially through the scholarships that you earn. Future income is basically borrowing. So there's a thing called the parent plus loan. Uh, Interesting because plus stands for parent loans for undergraduate students, but it's a plus loan for parents. There could be additional student loans that students could take out or private loans and then other borrowing options. You know, when uh, mortgage interest rates were a lot lower, I would do these presentations and people would ask me afterwards, they'd say, Well, why would I want to pay 6% for this loan when I can get a home equity line of credit for two and a half to three? And I would say, You're right. I don't know why you would do that, but every family has different strengths or different things that they can use. And so it's important to think about um, if you're borrowing, how will you borrow and what will you use? Obviously, if you don't have one of these three things, for instance, you have no savings, then you have to rely more on present income and, and borrowing. Or if you don't have the ability to borrow for some reason, you have to rely on your savings and your present income in order to be able to pay for this. And many families will use something from all three. They might use some savings. They might be using payment plans, scholarships, tax credits, and they might also be borrowing on top of that.
2: So let's talk a little bit about savings.
1: Um, The more you save, the less you have to borrow. And for many of you who are on this Um, presentation, you totally get that. And it almost seems like, why do I have to say that? Um, But really every dollar you have saved is less that you do have to borrow. And you can think about how much can you add to your savings before you need to borrow for college? Like how how much can you set aside if you were doing that? Uh, What can students do for instance? So how much can students add to their savings through gifts that they might receive or through summer employment? What I will say to you about savings is that parent savings, uh, parent assets in general are very heavily protected in the SAI calculation. And the reason why they're very heavily protected is because it's known that parents need savings for a rainy day. They need it for um, possibly to fund retirement someday. So um, savings are pretty heavily protected. I will sometimes hear people say, oh, before you file your FAFSA, make sure to spend down all your savings. Um, Please don't do that. Uh, I I think that um, that myth can really be hurtful. Let me give you an example. $25,000 of parental savings could impact um, your SAI by 1,700 to $2,000. So $25,000 of parental savings really impacts it by max $2,000 you'd much rather probably have the $25,000 and pay the $2,000
2: out of it rather than not having. Are we seeing any questions about assets, Naomi, and savings? Okay, perfect. I'll keep moving.
1: Let's talk about federal loans. Um, I mentioned earlier that if you file a FAFSA, the student can be eligible for federal loans. Um, There are limits as far as how much federal loan a student can borrow. And when you think about that $80,000 a year school, I keep picking on them, I feel so bad for them. Um, But when you think about how expensive colleges can be, even at uh, 27 for an average net price, um, $5,500 does not go a super long way, right? Uh, So the freshman year, the limit is $5,500 in federal student loan. The sophomore year, it's $6,500. The junior and senior year is about $7,500 each year. Um, So there are limits. And we want to keep this borrowing in mind whenever we're considering additional borrowing because I think sometimes families forget about this. The student will apply using the FAFSA. The college will then say what kind of eligibility the student has. Because some of the loans can be subsidized and some can be unsubsidized. If a student's showing financial need, um, subsidized loans means the government's paying the interest while the student's in school. Unsubsidized loans means the student is responsible for interest while they're in school. And so really important to to kind of think about that. But you can see how it adds up with the cumulative borrowed. By the senior year, if you're borrowing the maximum amount, there's $27,000 right there. So let's talk a little bit more about loan options. And I don't wanna spend a lot of time on these slides, but here's what I will tell you. Every year on July 1, the US Department of Education sets a new rate. And so when students borrow a federal loan, they have an interest rate for that year's loan. The next year, there's gonna be an interest rate for the next year's loan. It might not be the same. The next year is another interest rate. Um, We recommend that students accept the federal loans first because there are so many protections on them. There's income-based repayment programs. There's a new program called SAVE, saving on a valuable education, which is really uh, going to help students a lot with repaying their loans and uh, making sure that it is not bankrupting them to, to pay off their student loans. So really important to keep in mind. And then additional borrowing, VSAC is a lender of private student loans, but what I can tell you for students is that a lot of times if a student is borrowing, they have to have a co-signer. So that is a credit worthy person who agrees to be their co-borrower. And if the student does not repay, it's the parent who's on the line. Or, or the co-borrower, sorry, because it's not always a parent, but many times it is. And then I'm also gonna talk about parent loan options. One thing I wanna mention to you is the PLUS Loan for Parents. There are some colleges that will actually put a plus loan on their financial aid notification. And it will look like a student is covered. Like, oh, the cost of the school is $52,000 a year. And I have $52,000, look at that, I'm covered. And then you look and you see there is this parent plus loan of $30,000 on the financial aid notification. The only people who can say how much they can borrow is the parents themselves. So even though the college said you have eligibility for this amount, does not necessarily mean that families can do that. And remember, we're not just doing this for one year, we're doing this for two years and possibly four years. So you want to consider that and think about how much borrowing is going on. Um, The only limit on a federal plus loan is the cost of the college minus the financial aid offer. They do not look at um, what the parent's ability to borrow is. All right, I wanna talk about some calculators. There are some great calculators out there. One is the federal student aid calculator. And this slide I just changed because uh, I went online today. The federal student aid estimator is online and working. You can actually do a quick, um, what will my SAI look like and how much federal aid will I be eligible for? It's not going to cover institutional financial aid. It's not gonna talk about your Vermont grant but it will talk about federally what students would be eligible for. And then there's also mapping your future. What I love about mapping your future is that they have a student loan debt to salary wizard. And so when a student is talking to me about borrowing and we're having conversations about how much, and they, they really, um, I, I sometimes don't know if 18 or 19 year olds truly understand the borrowing and, and the amount of borrowing and what your monthly payment will be when you're done. But the debt salary wizard, you can estimate four years of borrowing. And then what it comes up with is this is what you need to make in order to pay off that loan. And I find that to be particularly helpful in a nice reality check for students when they're thinking about um, you know borrowing and they want to borrow quite a bit of money.
2: So those are two calculators, two resources, um,
1: I highly recommend. CBU and many high schools in the state have these junior and senior year planning checklists, which we go through each year. The the senior year one has been updated, but talking about next steps for the junior year and things that students can be doing with their parents as part of having this conversation and doing this research about colleges. And then also there are next steps for senior year, right? Make sure to research the forms and deadlines that are required by colleges. That's so important creating those federal student aid accounts, that FSA ID. Let me just mention, if you need help with creating an FSA ID, we have folks at VSAC who can help you with that. And on our events page on the VSAC website, you can actually see an opportunity to sign up for either a virtual or an in-person appointment to help sign up for an FSA ID with a person at the VSAC, uh, excuse me, VSAC Resource Center in Winooski. Students also need to create a VSAC account. You wanna gather up that family financial aid, uh, that family financial information in order to file those financial aid applications. So go find that 2022 tax form because that's what you're going to be using. Um, Also uh, file the Vermont grant application, do the FAFSA when it finally comes out, sign up for forms night at CVU. Um, I think we are talking about January 24th. As our night that I will be at CVU helping families with file the FAFSA. We want to encourage students to file that VSAC Unified Scholarship application. It's great because there's simply a drop down menu. So if you find four VSAC scholarships you want to apply for, you pick those four, use the drop down menu, you file one application, uh, and that will be what you need. Uh, then VSAC will also tell you on the screen, um, after your application gets uploaded, they will actually show you on the screen what documents you still need to get in order to finalize your VSAC scholarship application. And then also apply for other scholarships. Um, Be in touch with your school counselor. Find out about local scholarships. I know that... um, you know, average students get scholarships too. So uh, be sure to apply, apply, apply. And then also we've got some great resources on our website. We have one that's specific to paying for college and using that. We have a paying for college guide, which is available online. And also financial aid forms help. Let's talk about that. Um, the FAFSA has a 1-800 number, and they have hours from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., Monday through Friday, 11 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday. They are closed most of the major federal holidays. For the FAFSA and the Vermont grant, you can call us at VSAT between the hours of 8 and 4.30, and we can also help you with that. There's a chat bot on the FAFSA. His name is Aiden, he's a cute little owl. Um, he might You might find him very helpful. VSAC also has that virtual and in-person help. When the FAFSA becomes available, we'll have FAFSA appointments in addition to FSA ID appointments in Winooski as well as online. Um, And so just be certain to keep your eyes open. There's lots of help for this. We have an education loan guide, and there's a new expanded section on ways to minimize educational debt. It's available on our website. You can order it. It is not a here's why you should borrow a VSAC loan brochure. It is a brochure that we put together with college financial aid people, current college students, parents of college students um, and education professionals in order to help people understand this process. And then certainly, um, please feel free to follow us on social media, I'm sure that when the FAFSA opens, we're gonna be all over it in addition to federal student aid. Um, But you can certainly follow us on social media and see what's going on. We do have reminders about things going up. And um, that was a lot of information. And we did that in just about an hour. I realize I speak very rapidly. So thank goodness this is recorded on YouTube. But I was just wondering, does this create some questions for other folks? Are there more questions coming up?
3: Uh, So Carrie, we have a question about the Vermont grant and if the student or the parent should create the account initially.
1: So the student should create the account. It's the student's account initially. So um, there's nothing wrong with sharing that information with. Um, a parent, if, if that relationship is there. But um, yes, it should be the student's account.
3: Great. And then we have a, a question about where this presentation will be. Uh, we'll have this posted on the Direction Center website. Great. And I think that's all we have. Oh, uh, and a thank you. Very informative session, Carrie. <laughs> so, yeah, nice job. Mm-hmm.
1: Good. Well, hopefully for the, the seniors and the parents of seniors who are watching this, um, please know you are not alone in this process. There are a lot of folks out there to help you. And um, we realize that it is very stress inducing, but you will get through this. And um, we hope that you will use us as a resource. We are certainly glad to help uh, wherever we can.